16 years ago, back in June of 2004, I took up my first English teaching position at a conversational English language school in the small town of Takikawa, located in Hokkaido, Japan. I'd never been to Japan before and I didn't really know much about it. But my years there proved to be extremely interesting and I was very lucky to meet many wonderful and fantastic people. One of these people is the guest on today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Tea Time with Elvis. This week, Elvis and I are very lucky to be joined by a good friend of mine called Michael Martin. Michael has been living in Japan since 2003, and he has had a variety of different jobs, from working in waste management to his current job as a drone pilot for a video. Uh, making company and as a videographer.、Uh, he's a great friend of mine, very interesting character, and he's very happy to talk about life in Japan in general, the situation regarding the pandemic, as well as、um, his own experiences with the big 311 earthquake back in 2011, the great Tohoku earthquake and tsunami, which some of you may remember. Now, as you can imagine, we were old friends, we had a lot to talk about. So,、uh, rather than just having、uh, Michael appear in this one episode, I have decided to split it across two episodes. So, this is part one of our conversation with Michael Martin. So, hey, Michael, how's it going? Oh, how the heck are you? Long time no see. Very long. Two or three days. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while.、Um, so, thank you very much for taking the time to join me and、uh, Elvis for this、uh, edition of Tea Time with Elvis.、Um, yeah, I'd just like to kind of、uh, let our audience get to know you a little bit. So, you've, you've been in Japan now, what,、uh, 17 years? 18 years?、Uh, but I would say 18 ish because、uh, this is my second time around. First time I did a year、uh, exchange student in Osaka. So, so your math was correct at 17 if, from what you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I was there, I think. Yeah. 2000, 2004, you were there a year before me. So, yeah. 2003.、So. Excellent. And of course, when I first met you, you had a.、Uh, Uh, a job in,、uh, in Hokkaido. You were working in、uh, what was it, medical waste disposal? Medical waste, infectious medical waste disposal. Probably booming business at the moment. <laughs> Not doing that anymore. <laughs> no. But yeah, I'd probably be very busy now. And if my memory serves me, it was, what was it? Irio Heiki Butsu Shiori or something? Wow, look at you pulling out your、uh, crazy Japanese, man.、Wow. I had a good teacher. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the only thing I taught you, then I'm not doing very good. <laughs> so you did that,、uh, and then you uh, left, uh, left Hokkaido, didn't you? I did. I spent four years in Hokkaido、mm-hmm. and then went to Tochigi Prefecture、mm-hmm. and did the same, same job. Well, same kind of job site, but they made me a boss for whatever reason. <laughs> and、uh, in the same kind of 
equipment for another four years. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you moved on and uh, joined the dark side and took up uh, teaching English? Yeah, and how that happened, which I never wanted to do, but mm -hmm. uh, the 311 happened mm -hmm. here in Japan, the uh, one of the largest earthquakes known to humankind, I think number two of, from, in recorded history, uh, then created, I think, the largest tsunami that we have recorded. And that was, to my way of thinking, not very far away. By Shinkansen, the bullet train, is about an hour away. And so I always felt that, um, so it was like if my neighbor's house was burning, Mm -hmm. I would want to help them mm -hmm. or vice versa. If my house is burned, I would expect my neighbor to try to help me. And so that's what I kind of felt it was like that it was that close. And so it was kind of like the neighbors got hit by these horrible conditions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I was driving back and forth to volunteer and ended up thinking, well, uh, long story short, I, uh, gave up my apartment and I'd quit down in Tochigi and moved to Sendai because it was kind of in the center of all of the, where everything got hit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so needed a job because I burnt through all my savings rather quick. Funny how that works. <laughs> and uh, started teaching English was the, the quick way to get a job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And do you, do you yeah. enjoy it though? Or? Uh, the, the teaching English or here in Sendai? Uh, well, both. Why not? I mean, how's, how's the teaching English? So I, I never really wanted to do it, but I, I enjoyed teaching adults or serious students more than others. Cause I felt a lot of the times, mostly the kids, they're being forced. And so they had no interest. And so it felt like a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you don't want to be here, then why, what am I doing? Here? Definitely. Um, but towards the end, um, I was going to more and more little preschools and stuff. And the kids became like family and like, I'd show up and they'd all come screaming and hugging and crawling all over me, and, <laughs> which that's great. Except for the part where they're snotty little disease monsters and, you know, snot all over their face, and mm. you see them one minute licking off the snot and sticking their fingers up the nose, and then they're like pawing your face. Oh, my goodness! <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> I, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I, I have sometimes experience at school with the little kids, like you know, they you you watch them like rubbing their noses and stuff and their mouths, yeah. and then they pick up with their hands a sweet, and then they come yeah. to them, Mark. Oh, here you sweet. are. And they're like you, waiting for you to eat it, and you're like, "Oh dear God, no!" <laughs> I'll save this for later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll save it for later. Put it in the top pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I actually kind of miss those little moments now that I've I've moved on to to do more photography, kind of based stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you were you were always into your photography. I mean. I remember a couple of times we would go out. I mean, in fact, I think you were the one who convinced me to buy my first uh, point and shoot uh, old Sony one. We went together to some uh, electronic store, I think, to, to, to buy it. 
uh, and then we were sitting in uh, uh, La Pecora, the Italian restaurant in in Takikawa, <laughs> playing with it, and because it, it was the first time I it was the first time I'd seen one where you could you know take the picture and then immediately look at the picture and you know we were even even though we didn't call them selfies at that time we were trying it out and you know you were a big yeah. boys you know sticking the point and shoot out of the car while you were driving and you know taking pictures behind <laughs> you and stuff you know <laughs> so now you you work you, in uh, photography you you've dated yourself now well, some yeah. of your younger listeners are gonna like what that's the, those have been around forever <laughs> like my entire lifetime they've had that <laughs> it's true yeah i mean the, they never know the struggle with uh, taking uh, taking pictures with film will they you know yeah exactly one one chance only well th maybe 32 chances or whatever it used to be and yeah 32 if you're going big 24 if you're 12 to 24 that's right yeah yeah and then uh, was it one hour photo processing and stuff like that wasn't it yeah if you're lucky sometimes i remember back when i was young you'd drop it off and go pick it up a week later mm -hmm. yeah well i remember pioneering well, i guess it's fairly pioneering but in the late 90s um back in england i, I remember you could get um uh, you could get it done, not, I don't know, I don't, probably not online, but by post. They had these services where you could send the film off and then maybe a week later or a few days later, the, the, the photos would be sent back to you. So, yeah. Kind of like the precursor to Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Because didn't Netflix start out as a male-only business? Yeah, I want to say before, it was... Before I they started that. streaming. I love film or something like that, wasn't it? They used to send uh, the DVDs in the post. Uh, maybe that was a UK only thing. Okay. But it sounds right. In the yeah. US, we had Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We, we had Blockbuster in England. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, I remember that digressing a little bit was, of course, we used to go quite regularly to, um, to, to Tyre. To tire, yeah. wave, C3. <laughs> <laughs> so now you might want to explain to your listeners what that actually is. Exactly. Like, what's he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> well, wave C3. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tsutaya was a was a like a, like a blockbuster, a, a video uh, rental store, a video rental shop, and which uh, still exists still here exists? in Japan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, because I, I remember being very, very surprised uh, when I moved there and we went there uh, because for the first year or so, um, most of the films uh, available to rent were still on VHS. And I remember that in England, we kind of moved into DVDs. And I, I remember thinking, you know, Japan's famous for being so technologically advanced. And yet <laughs> here we are renting videos in, in VHS. Oh, welcome to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, isn't it? There's, there's that kind of um, uh, contradiction or, or uh, you know, the, the, the more in the Japan, ancient. faxes are still very, very big in the business world here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes uh, it drove me nuts um, when I was... Uh, plant manager down in Tochigi that I would get emailed something like an attachment and then if I had to send it on to an official place 
they would require it by fax. Even though they had an email address, I couldn't just email it to them. They required me to print it out and fax it to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It felt like I was dealing with dinosaurs. And that, that was 2007 to 2011. And I don't think it's changed since then. No, I mean, I, I read something about it and, and, and people said it's quite often to do just because of the, the, the language, the, the script. It's much easier to just write something on a piece of paper in, in kanji and fax it than sitting down and trying to type it. So, you know, maybe. Possibly. I've, I, I read another article that mentioned something about it being actually more secure. Oh, well, I can believe that, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I didn't realize how old the fax machine actually was. I, I think it was, it goes back to like um, the, the first, uh, first half of the 19th century, which blew my mind. The telegraph days? Yeah, pretty much, which, which completely blew my mind that it was that old. So, you know, yeah. I Japan, keeping history alive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember it in the, in the early 80s because I, I went to my dad's uh, office and he had one in his office and his colleague had one in his office. And I remember being so fascinated when I, I drew a picture on it, uh, faxed it to the net office next door and the, and the same picture appeared. And I thought, this is amazing. <laughs> well, it is impressive. I mean, if someone told me to create such a device right now, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. No, it's, it's quite hard to, to imagine. Um, so you're saying, yeah, you, you've gone now into, into working in, uh, in photography and videography. And um, what, what yes. kind of things do you, do you do with that? So the way, when I moved to Sendai, I did it so I could volunteer in all the uh, extremely hit areas, you know, mostly tsunami damage, although I am very close to uh, Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. Um, as the crow flies, I want to say, um, yeah, as a crow flies, I don't want to, I, I haven't looked up the numbers in a while, so I won't go that way. Three, if I drive my car, I, I, I can be from my house to the actual plant itself by car in an hour and a half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so I'm very close. Um, uh, I know you don't do miles, but I want to say like 90 miles-ish. 90 miles, so it's around 170, 180 kilometers. Ish, I want to say, if not less. Yeah. Um, So very close. So, but I was volunteering uh, very close to that area in a place called Minami Soma in Fukushima Prefecture. Mm -hmm. And during that time, one of the volunteers, uh, he, he got used to me uh seeing me take pictures all the time because i had my big camera and so he started his own he quit his job started his own small it company Mm -hmm. and then he asked me if i wanted to do my own thing and we could support northeast japan tohoku uh by uh, kind of a tourism type thing showing everyone the pretty pictures and look it's not all disasters there's really nice stuff here too and so that's kind of how that talk started and uh, so I started working with him part-time in that 
started with photos. Uh, then we got a drone and I became a drone pilot. And through drones, video, and it's just kind of went from there. And now we do pamphlets in different languages. So I contact different people on the internet and whatnot. Translated into French, Thai, Chinese, Taiwanese, Thai. And uh, so do all kinds of different kind of services like that for tourism based on whatever country the whoever our client is aimed at mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um it's yeah it's a two two things that stick out for me there one when you started talking about the distance i i remember uh that we have a different concept of distance don't we oh, I mean, uh, you know for you an hour and a half away is is close uh <laughs> for us it's you know it's a day's journey maybe you know <laughs> You're from yeah. you're from uh, you're from uh, uh, Spokane in Washington State. Is that right? Um, kind of, sort of. So I'm from Washington State. Uh, so Spokane is where I moved after I graduated high school. I'm from a little tiny town, about halfway between Spokane and the Canadian border. Okay. Okay. Um, so if you head north out of Spokane by car, there's the first stoplight. That's my town. that's uh, your idea of distance isn't it i mean because when you live in these you know vast areas and 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 whatever then probably it could be an an hour to the next town so you think nothing of it well and and that's that's it i you know being from such a big country and then living in a small country japan even now I find myself explaining to Japanese people, you know, and they'll say, Oh, this is so far away. And how, how long does it take to get there? Oh, this amount of time. It's like, well, that's just next door. It's nothing at all. So for me, like Washington state, the two largest cities, Seattle, which is on the West coast Mm -hmm. and of the state and Spokane, which is inland and near Idaho. Uh, it's 289 miles, I want to say. So what's that? Five or 600 kilometers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so for a lot of people, that's a weekend jaunt. Oh, I'm going to run to Seattle for the weekend. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of other people like, wow, it's a five or six hour drive each way. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not something you think of that you're going to do for the weekend. But so having those kind of distances as a normal thing kind of changes your idea of what big is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everything's spaced further away. Mm-hmm. Everything that's maybe why everything in America is big size because we've got more space to expand nearby we've got montana well nearby yeah. <laughs> from nearby oh, i'm just gonna three, pop over three to thousand montana miles away <laughs> <laughs> um in montana when when i would go to montana at that time there was no daytime speed limit so on the highways the freeways so you pedal to the metal literally mm-hmm. it was okay mm. Legally okay <laughs> to pedal to the metal. Did do you did you guys ever use that term? 
Do yeah, you know yeah, what I'm... yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, I mean, we use it, of course, to just mean like get moving, you know, like if you've um, been slow in, in doing your work or something, we say, okay, it's time to put, you know, pedal to the metal and get cracking yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, but if you think of it literally, you got the, your gas pedal and you're putting it to as far, far down as it'll go. Yeah. So, we literally could do that mm-hmm. when we go visit Montana. It's because if you take like Japan is long but skinny yeah. so if you take that and you kind of fold it up into a, a rectangular box yeah. it's almost exactly the same size as Montana okay uh-huh. Uh-huh. but the population is like half of the US I think the US is 330 million ish yeah somewhere around there Japan's about half of that so they've got half of the population of the u.s in the size of montana Mm. but montana itself has a population about ten thousand less than that of sendai which sendai is one million one hundred two hundred thousand i'm gonna say Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so if you think of the entire size of japan and the only people that live there are the people of sendai Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's basically what you have in montana Mm -hmm. is this large expanse and nobody lives there and so basically if you don't go as fast as you can you're not going to get where you're going yeah yeah everything's so far away it's why i guess everybody drives in america uh people get licenses quite young and in some of these states i think you can even get a like a farmer's driving license for necessity like the age of 13 or something like that 13 or 14 yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm crazy <laughs> yeah because if you don't drive you you don't go anywhere yeah yeah get a gun get a gun at eight <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you, when you're born the first thing the doctor does before he hands you to his mom is put a gun in your hand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, the other thing i want to go back to is when you mentioned um you know the positive spin on 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 the area um regarding tourism I don't know. These days, uh, this so-called uh, dark tourism is quite uh, is quite popular. If you know what I mean by that, it's where people literally visit disaster areas, and the the the, the fact that somewhere's experienced a disaster is in itself a draw to tourism. Like we have in Europe, uh, I guess using your terminology, just down the road in Chernobyl, because <laughs> it's I, I suppose Chernobyl isn't that far away uh, from here because uh, we're what it, you know and people uh, people people want to go and see that so have you is it too early or, or or have people been literally coming to your area to visit it because of the destruction and because of the disaster okay uh, so for me when I first arrived it was shocking to me and I actually think I might kind of have PTSD from that time because mm-hmm. like we have little alerts on our phones mm-hmm. when there's an earthquake coming. It mm-hmm. only gives us 20, 30 seconds notice. Mm-hmm. But from that time, it it's like shocking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll use it. Oh, we're going to do a test. And so you'd be sleeping and all of a sudden this thing hits and you're like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And they did it for the Korean missiles for a while, too, because mm-hmm. Kim Jong Moon was sending missiles over Japan mm. and so we started getting those alerts and wake up and like oh my god 
And so, but it was during that time that I wanted people to come. And I didn't think of it as dark tourism. Mm -hmm. To me, it was to see and understand the scale of what happened. So, um, so I could go to any place along the coast of eastern Japan where the tsunami hit because it basically ravaged the entire eastern coast. So however thousands of miles that is. Mm-hmm. You go there and you see this destruction and you're like, unbelievable. You don't, how did water do this? It was, it's just water. It's mm-hmm. right there. I can see it. The ocean, it's pretty and mm-hmm. it makes nice sunsets and the boats go over it and fish come out and make nice sushi it's like i don't understand how how did just this water take metal and twist it and turn it into there's i remember once i saw this metal scrap and i was like what is that what what did that used to be and i was poking around and looking around and it was a car it had been a car but it took poking around and looking around so I finally found something that was recognizable yeah. enough to, to know what it was. They say, I mean, nature's got awesome power, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's incredible. And, and that's the thing. Until you see it with your own face and you mm-hmm. can understand the scale, it, it, it's just a story that someone's saying. And like anyone listening to this, they're like, mm, that's interesting. But it won't hit home until you see it with your own eyes because you know scenes believing yeah um you know we we don't really want to input anything unless we see it ourselves Mm -hmm. and so i always felt that people coming was the best thing and that way they could also meet the people and see that people were really affected Mm -hmm. And, and in turn that would affect them and so they could help further you know if they wanted to help donate or if they wanted to come volunteer Mm -hmm. or even one thing a lot of people they would come far away and they say what can i do you know Mm -hmm. i i live far away what can i do it's like go tell everyone what you saw yeah yeah come visit so i you know there's the dark tourism where there's probably people that do abuse it mm-hmm. um, and so maybe make light of it and so they're just in it for the money but I think done correctly it's it's not a bad thing so you mentioned Chernobyl but let me give you one more example and see if you want to call it dark tourism mm-hmm. so I'll ask you I won't say I'll just ask you have you been to Auschwitz um, I've not been to Auschwitz, although it's also down the road. Um, I have for a few years, a long time ago, uh, back in the late 90s, I did visit Dachau, a concentration okay. camp in Germany. Yeah. So did you consider going there as a form of dark tourism? Well, I think, yes. I mean, maybe I, maybe I didn't phrase it rightly. I think... You know, I think uh, that, well, there is an element. I mean, we're, we are attracted to things that are a little bit uh, dark. I think the difference is the things like Chernobyl, uh, the concentration camps or extermination camps, even the killing fields in Cambodia, this kind of stuff, it's, it's quite a long time ago. So it's, 
not in the conscious of the people who visit. I think the difference with um, the, 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 the huge uh, earthquake on, on 311 um, is it's obviously it's very raw in the memory. And I suppose at that time, the people going there, they're not what I would call dark tourists. They're, they're curious or they're people with genuine desire to help. But I'm sure as things go on, it might end up like a form of Chernobyl where people go there purely because of the, uh, to, to, to view the destruction, you know, to take a selfie next to a lump of metal that used to be a car, you know. Um, it's, it's a horrible thing, maybe in some ways, but then, as you say, some good can come out of it, so. So do you, uh, this is something we used as an, Amer I don't know if it's just an Americanism or if you guys use it as well, but uh, rubbernecking. Mm -hmm. So when you're driving and you see an accident, yeah, you know, instead of just keeping going on, your your face yeah. stays glued to this mangled scenery mm -hmm. as you drive by until your neck is just like bent out of bent out of place. And I, I think it's that that human deep human nature to look mm -hmm. at disaster Definitely. and death and mm -hmm. well, heck, there's there's websites that have all these horrendous killings, you know, beheadings and. Mm -hmm from Mexico and the yeah. Middle East. And, yeah. and so it's that voyeuristic, <gasps> oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I admit, I've, I've been there. I, it doesn't, it doesn't seem real. No, and, and, and I think that's part of it is like, I, do, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. it's like I saw this one, it was a Mexican, I think a drug deal gone bad or some sort of cartel thing. Mm -hmm. And the, they'd caught this guy for whatever reason and cut a hole in his chest and you could see his heart beating. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then the guy pulls it out and you're like, wow, you know, I can explain that. And it sounds horrific, mm -hmm. but actually seeing it is just such a visceral thing. It's like, wow, that's possible that human beings are able to do things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a new, natural catastrophe but someone actually did that yeah and was able to do it and laugh about it and film it and share it and it's like it kind of gives us a mirror into the depravity of the human mind in a way uh -huh. so i think you know you brought it up as dark tourism maybe it's a fine line yeah i think that's that's true but then of course it it, it is if you expand that into life in general, isn't it? It's a fine line between, uh, you know, we, there's always that line that we can cross between being a good member of society and doing, you know, we've all got the capability to be monsters. It's just, we choose not to be. Or well, I, it, are we, are we not monsters? Well, maybe. So each of us seems to see the same event and take it a different way. So, <laughs> what I might've thought was a minor thing. Someone else might consider me a monster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, it all depends on the viewpoints. So maybe d depending on who's looking, we're all monsters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like, I'm a bit of a playboy. I put that out there, but you know, for some, oh. <laughs> really? well, not me, but, but I mean, for some, very strict religious people, mm -hmm. I might be a heathen worthy of death. 
mm-hmm. or or gay people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the religious people might consider them to be, you know, let's stone them. Yeah. And yeah. so I think each person sees the same thing, but sees different things. Mm-hmm. So I think we're all monsters in some way, shape or form, you know, depending have, on the viewpoint. Well, that's it. And I mean, we have the expression, if we go back to the, the Playboy thing, uh, that, you know, be- beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I suppose that's the same for anything. It's not just beauty. It's everything. Uh, we yeah. process everything in our own way. You know, uh, you, we, could, we could both sit down and watch a film and both take something completely different away from it. So, yeah. Which that kind of, the, that reminds me of, I, I mentioned the, the cellular phone alerts mm-hmm. that, that bother me and a lot of other people so much. But if you heard that, you'd be like, oh, no big deal. Yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't have the same meaning, even though it's just, we're hearing the same sound. But it sounds to me almost like a form of, um, you know, not to be overdramatic even, but it sounds like a form of a form of shell shock, isn't it? If you if you know, I don't know how how much that's talked about in the in the states, but during the First World War, you know, the constant uh, bombing and shelling led to people, um, you know, having developing neurological conditions and 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 motor motor conditions, you know, they're shaking uncontrollably, this kind of stuff. And sometimes it would manifest itself that it'd be absolutely normal. And then a car would backfire and the person would be be wrecked. In fact, it happened. uh, It happened when I was a child uh, because we moved to uh, Sweden uh, not long after uh, the end of the Gulf War Part One. Yeah, the the first Gulf War. And uh, both my sister and I attended an international school. And uh, one of my sister's classmates was a girl from Israel. And uh, Saddam Hussein actually bombed uh, Israel during that uh, campaign. He sent the, the missiles over. And this girl was at our house for dinner. And uh, it, was, it was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, but it's a horrific thing. Um, we're just sitting there and we had one of those really, really noisy washing machines. Exactly. So it just started banging away. And this poor girl di- dove straight under the table, you know, because for her, it was three months, you know, in the back. Was, it was life or death yeah. at that moment. Her, her body had, had become used to, oh, that's, that means I could die. So, yeah. And we just sat there, of course, not knowing, what, not knowing what to say or do. But, you know, she, she obviously, yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping she's recovered now, but who knows? So if the Germans had started bombing again, she would have lived and you silly English people had, would have died. Who knows? <laughs> Um, it's strange how we're 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 like that yeah. um but yeah the, the the phone thing really i i hate it yeah um you mentioned as a child i had a similar thing when i was young um we had a guy that would walk by it looked like he was just taking walks but during his walk he was constantly looking up at the sky and looking around always looking around and it was really strange. He wasn't just walking; he was constantly scanning the skies and looking around him, hyper vigilant. Mm-hmm. And I remember my—I think it was the first time I came across the word "shell shocked." 
because mm-hmm. that's how my parents had described him that he had mm-hmm. shell shock mm-hmm. and i was young enough i was probably five or six that i didn't understand what it meant at the time but that sort of behavior always stuck with me that that that's what shell shock was he was constantly just on edge gosh i hope you found that as interesting as i did we'll certainly hear more from michael in next week's episode of tea time with elvis i must thank him again really for taking the time to do this it was certainly very nostalgic for me to speak with him again and it's been far far too long since we've had a good catch up please feel free to check out michael's instagram page it's uh, you, it can be found at fried toast on instagram and it's well worth a look he's very very talented in photography so please do check him out and we will hear uh, more of what he has to say and i can promise you uh, it's just as interesting as as this week if not more so so all that remains for elvis and i of course to say to you all is please stay in stay safe and stay healthy and we look forward very much to our next meeting you can of course follow tea time with elvis on anchor you can follow us on instagram twitter and facebook and even youtube it's all out there all can be found at elvis tea time or at tea time with elvis if you google it you will certainly find us thank you very much and take care all the best bye bye <laughs>